Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Beyond Sleep Training Podcast. A podcast dedicated to sharing real tales of how people have managed sleep in their family outside of sleep training culture. Because sleep looks different with a baby in the house. And because every family is different, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to take. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Kalkadoon people. I pay my respects to the elders of this nation and the many other nations our guests reside in from the past, present and emerging. We honour Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the unique cultural and spiritual relationships to the land, water and seas, as well as their rich contributions to society, including the birthing and nurturing of children. Welcome back to the Beyond Sleep Training Podcast. I'm your host, Carly Grubb, and with me today is one of our wonderful volunteers, Donna Smith. And she's coming to us all the way from New Zealand. So welcome to the show, Donna. Kia ora. Uh, thank you very much for, for having me, Carly. It's um, good to be here. And so how long have you been volunteering for us now, Donna? Um, I joined up uh, as part of the sleep, as part of the group um, when my first boy was about three months, so 2016. Um but um, and then started volunteering. I think probably about six months or so after after that. Now, so you must be around from the very very early start because we only launched in early two thousand seventeen. So it must have been like right in the early days. One of our founding people, Donna. I love uh, it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about how much help I've actually been in as volunteering, but um, I think it's a, an awesome um, support and a great place to actually advocate for our little people. So yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for your work and thank you to all of our volunteers because it really is the only reason that we're able to offer that free peer support. If listeners aren't already a member of our group, be sure to come along and join us on Facebook. Uh, We love to have families there um, so that we can help 
you right along your journey through um, Beyond Sleep Training. So thanks for joining us, Donna. Now, to begin the episode, I would love to hear who's in your little crew and how did you think you were going to handle sleep before you had your first baby? So um, my little crew has expanded recently. Um, It started off with me and my husband, Brett. Um, We've got Jack, who's our five-year-old boy, who's uh, started school and just started sleeping in his own room. Um, And then we have Bennett, um, who has, or Ben, who's just turned 15 months. Lovely. And so before you had Jack, did you have like visions in your head about how you were going to handle sleep in your family? Yeah, well, babies just go to sleep, yeah. Um, I'm a a physio um, by background and I used to do home visits um, and we had it drummed into us that we had to make sure that the babies had somewhere um, that they were sleeping safely and um, and a separate thing and um, and go th- and go through all of that with our with our families. So um, it was very much that babies sleep on their own and in their own safe sleep space. So and so you'd set yourself up with a bassinet or a cot for babe. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> as as things with kids, everything all went a little bit different. Um, Jack decided to turn up at thirty five weeks. Um, when I was in the middle of gyp stopping our lounge. Um, so, oh my gosh. So he had a bit of, an ex- a, bit of a stay in the neonatal unit. Um, and then when he came home, we had a, had a bassinet um, that he was going to sleep in. And so how did that turn out? Yeah, it turns out that we have uh, had, have quite wakeful babies. Um, I found sleep with Jack really tricky because um, he pretty much, as as a lot of babies like to do, only wanted to sleep on me. Um, when he was in NICU, he was a dream. You'd go in and he'd follow this nice routine where he'd um, you'd um, get got into a really nice pattern where you'd go in, you'd change his nappy, you'd give him a feed, you'd put him back down, he'd sleep, and then three hours later he'd repeat, and then we got him home, and he didn't want to do that. Um, so yeah, so I found that really hard, um, cause I thought, um, I was failing as a mum cause I couldn't get him to sleep. Um, and I went to some of the coffee groups and they'd put their baby down and they could walk out and they'd go to sleep. Um, so around that time <laughs> I found out about baby wearing, um, which was a game changer for me. Um, in similar time, it was one of my um, friends who um, helped me into baby wearing um, mentioned about um, safe co-sleep um, bed sharing in the safe sleep seven and things. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thank goodness for friends who pop along at just the right moments in time. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. And so you discovered the safe sleep seven and baby wearing. Did they become go-to tools or were you still finding, like how were you actually going about getting Babe to sleep and what was your setup at that stage? Yeah, so that was still quite tricky because I think especially the evidence out there on babies who have been born early um, and around sleep is still, even now, um, because my second baby decided to come at 34 weeks, so they're just getting earlier, um, is still... um, uh, been a physio trying to look at evidence-based practice and decision making around there that was quite a challenge um, baby wearing was amazing because it meant I could put 
um, Jack on. I could go for a walk, which was great for me. Um, he'd go to sleep. Um, and um, I wouldn't be stuck at home trying to get this little guy to, to go to sleep in his bassinet. Um, so, and the freedom of being able to, to go and do, do things. Um, and I think also because I'd have to, had to leave him in the neonatal unit um, and go home without him, actually being able to have that, that extra time and that closeness with him was, was really important as, as well. Beautiful. Um, yeah, it definitely facilitates that extra contact, especially like you said, you had that trickier start with him. Um, so was he still, so by day he'd sleep in the carrier on you. Were you, how were you feeding at this time? Yeah, yeah, no, um, he had, um, because he was little and then got jaundice, he'd been um, tube fed um, with express breast milk while he's in um, hospital. Um, and then, yeah, then when we came home, actually, that was another challenge. Um, he was just really slow. So because he was little, he'd take an hour to an hour and a half to feed. Um, so in the middle of the night, it was like, okay. Um, but uh, I, my husband was really supportive with that. I used to get up and pump um, and then do my physio exercises and he'd um, feed Jack the express breast milk um, and then we'd all go back to bed Um so yeah, so that so that worked. Um, and as he got bigger, I'm guessing some of the the pumping, like because that's called triple feeding, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, no. I think. So. I think yeah. that's what they call that loop. I'm yeah. sorry, um, yeah. but so that was just while he was little, and once he got stronger, that was something you yeah. were able to. Yeah. Okay. Because that would be because that's kind of like a combination of tricky at nighttime, then, isn't it? Because <laughs> you're feeding for hours on end. But he's prem, so you're trying not to have him in a shared space with you. Yeah. That would have been really hard to stay awake. Did you find that you yeah. were falling asleep on occasions doing it? Yeah, and I think that was the thing where we got to, we were like, oh, actually, if we do it and he has the bottle, um, we all get back to bed and back to, back to sleep a whole lot easier. Um, and it was, wasn't, he must have been, we'd gone out to visit my in-laws and so we were in a different environment and he was unwell. So it was about that stage when I actually started bringing him into bed for day sleeps and then kind of um, built up built up on confidence with, with that. So um, that was definitely then because then at night he could just feed. <laughs> it didn't matter how long yeah. it took. <laughs> well, that's so, what I was thinking because yeah. that is, it's kind of like an ads and layer and I'm sure people listening along who've had prems would have, had similar experiences because those tiny babies can take so long but that kind of adds to the likelihood that you're going to fall asleep unintentionally maybe yep, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, so having that clear space around you just in case is a really smart move even if you're still intending to pop them into their own mm. space afterwards because you have a prem. Um, yeah, that's a really important discussion to have and I think like you said too, you look for the research but the research is just it's actually still a current gap because it's like a really it's a tricky area for them to get enough data on to be able to see trends to be able to understand what's actually going on there and so they do they add the extra caution if you do have an early yeah. baby um, around shared sleep but forget if you're if you're feeling sleepy at any stage whether you have a prem or not you need to make sure that you're on that safe surface um, for the off chance you do fall asleep. So thanks for chatting about that with us. So with him, as he got older and stronger, 
and she started sharing a bed with him. Uh, were you still baby wearing by day and was he still a wakeful little fellow or did it kind of ease up at different times for you? Hmm. I think I stopped worrying, like stopped actually thinking about it really like uh, which was which was easier for me rather than um trying to follow like a routine or a schedule um I'd just get on with what I what we wanted to do for the day and um if he wanted to sleep then he went to sleep (laughs) if he wanted to be awake then he was awake and we were getting more sleep um overnight because we were sharing um, and then we'd quite often have a have a bit of a nice nice cuddly nap in the afternoon as well. So beautiful. Yeah. So you kind of worked out your pattern on making sure that you you both got the rest that you needed, basically. Because once yeah. you're doing that, there's like it does alleviate a lot of that stress and pressure that you feel like like you're not in crisis mode anymore. So you can just carry on. Yeah, and definitely, and I think things I found, like we went over to Waiheke Island, which is just out of um, Auckland for a day trip, um, and because Jack would sleep on me, it, we just jumped on the ferry, I took the, the buggy to carry all the gear that we, that we needed, or Jack, um, and he just went to sleep and woke up, whereas one of my other friends who's needed to be at home and we caught to sleep, um, everything was much more rigid around around sleep times and things as well. So that was that was definitely a bonus of um, a, a baby who would sleep anywhere as long as he was on me. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And he comes along with different personalities too, because I know I've had one baby who just couldn't handle sleeping out and about because of the distractions and FOMO, and he needed the quiet cool dark areas to find any kind of rest for that crazy little brain that he has busy brain I should say not crazy and but then I've had two other babies who just snapped wherever whenever didn't really seem phased by the action that was going on around them so yes embracing that personality and I love that you could see that that you had that freedom available because he was a contact snapping baby wearing baby very handy yeah and I think as he's saying too it's amazing how different like having my second baby like how different they can be with within that as well so yeah yeah well we might get on to him before but we'll get I just want to know because so there must be about what three and a half years between your two four and a half yeah four and a half years so so with your first guy how did sleep evolve as he became a toddler into preschool or did it did it have like a bit of a uh, a steady track to being less needy at night or how's that going for you? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I think it's changed, like we've been pretty flexible on it. Um, we moved him out of our room when he was eight. Oh, he's been in and out. <laughs> we moved him out and then we moved him back because we missed him. Um, and then um, uh, he's been pretty keen on being, being in, in our bed um, so, um, or coming up, coming in in the middle of the night, um, we've got a massive um, super king, which is which is very nice. Um, but when I was pregnant, we ended up um, we put his toddler bed side card onto ours because he was coming in all the time anyway. Um, so at least we had a bit more, bit more space. Not so much in the bedroom, but in the bed. Um, so he'd been sleeping on his own for about a year then, and then. I got pregnant and he, he wanted to be back in with us. Um, and then, so we had we had a three-bedroom house with all of us sleeping in one room. Um, 
and then yeah so and then he's moved out um so we fed um he would still I went back to work full-time when he was about two and a half three um so he was still um feeding overnight at that stage um so that was really nice to actually be able to go home and still still have that um yeah lovely and Lots of, ups really, and, lots of ups and downs. So, yeah. and, but it's great to hear a perspective on um, a night nursing toddler as well as it still being a, a great means of reconnection when you've been separated by day through work requirements and whatnot. So it's really nice for people listening along once we've had a few people who have breastfed toddlers uh, through two natural weaning ages. And it's 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 great to hear different experiences with that because so often people are hearing that they need to night wean earlier and earlier um, and so it's great to get that perspective for people so thank you for sharing and, that part as well my boys have been um because i went back to work a bit later with jack and i've been back to work just over a year with ben and actually been like hang on i don't actually need to wean them like that they just seem to manage without me during the day and when i come home they're like Woo-hoo! she's back (laughs) (laughs) I love that because yes it used to be I know when I had my first guy um in in my like original group of mothers the the conversations around return to work were very heavily focused on weaning because it just seemed like the thing you needed to do so that your kid could go and be put to daytime sleeps and whatnot without you um Whereas we know from the experience of many, many, many working parents in the Beyond Sleep Training Project, including you, that babies are really adjustable to being able to still nurse when they're back with you and doing something different with other carers, aren't they? Yeah, no, I just talked to my husband and apparently been slept for about three hours at at care today. So um, we might have a busy night, but yeah. Yes, yes. He sounds like he's going to be a bit of a night owl tonight going by that record. Yeah, nice one. So we probably should get on to Ben. Tell us about having Ben. How did that things look when he came along? Um, So, yeah, so we had, we'd, we'd had, um, Denard, partly there's a big gap, um, I think, because we took a while kind of decide, thinking about whether we wanted to have another child or not. Um, and um, and Ben's just been amazing. Like, he's been such a blessing. Um, his name actually means little blessed one, and I'm like, that that works well for, for him. Um, and, yeah, again, he uh, surprised us by um, deciding to be an unplanned home birth at 34 weeks. Um, so... Yeah, that, that was fun. That would um, be a nice little shock. Yep. Uh, what were you so, doing at home this time, Donna? Were you <laughs> doing home? I wasn't, I wasn't doing gymming. Well, to be fair, actually, about we had found out we'd bought a property and we'd like, right, we're not doing any renos, we're having another baby. And then we found that the bathroom was all rotten. <laughs> so we had, we were actually in the middle of that. So well, it's Braxton Hicks, run a bath and sit in the bath, and we, we currently didn't have a bath at that stage. So, um, yeah, but um, it wasn't Braxton Hicks. Um, so, yeah, so my husband got to deliver uh, Ben at home um, outside Jack's bedroom with Jack watching. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was not exactly how we thought it would go. Um, wow, and so how was 
been? Because that's pretty early. How were both of you? Yeah, well, I was a bit concerned because Jack had had difficulty breathing when he was born and ended up um, needing ventilated and having surfactant. Um, ben was actually fine. Um, I had, um, uh, I can't remember the technical term now, they were a bit concerned about my, my cord. Um, so we talked about having to have active um delivery of the placenta <laughs> which obviously we weren't really in the right place um no. so yeah but um actually yeah he popped out and he was he was okay so we just hung there and um waited for the my midwife um actually got there before the ambulance um and luckily we had a <laughs> then they're like have you got anything we can put the placenta in um and because we're renovating um we had a big massive dustpan um so um yeah so that 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 was used for catching the placenta. <laughs> that is awesome. I love a good birth story and um, sudden home birth or accidental home birth ones are even better, I think. That's in, that's impressive. Very well done, you. And I'm so glad Ben was okay. So did you have to spend any time being monitored in hospital or was he straight yeah. home with you? Yeah, no, so that was, um, so he got born at home and then we're back in hospital for about three weeks, um, yeah. just um, giving them a bit of time to, um, wake up a bit and he got jaundice as well and then feed a bit um, and yeah so I was a bit worried about Jack um, but we went through and did some we made a um, card for our midwife to say thank you um, and we did a picture and um, Jack talked me through the story of what happened so we've got the house and then there's blood and <laughs> the ambulance coming and um, us waking because we we had got Jack up because we were going to drive to the hospital. Um, so, yeah. So Wow. And a bit of, bit of play therapy going on there so I could yeah. draw it out for you. Oh, little guy. You do, it'd be interesting to talk to him as he gets a bit older to see what recollections have stuck for him, if there's any parts that, that stand out still for his little memory. I love yeah. that. Yeah, no, definitely. Very so. interesting. So when Ben did actually get to come home, how did things go? Like, were you planning to do things any differently or what What was the go? <laughs> I was planning on going to term. <laughs> um, well, there's that, but, yeah. you know, um, plans, term, plans. Um, yeah, it was, it was tricky because when Jack had been in hospital, that was my job because um, he was um, all, like, I used to, we were quite close to the hospital in Auckland, so I used to get up in the morning, um, have a shower, walk to the hospital, spend all day with him and then come home and then quite often go in for a night feed as well. Um, and with Ben it was tricky because we had Jack to try and um, spend some time with as well. Um, so um, in this setup with, we were in Dunedin, which is amazing, um, but they didn't have any space on the neonatal unit. So I was um, upstairs anyway so I decided to go home after a night because I'm like well at least if I'm at home I can spend some time with um, Brett and Jack um, and then come in and spend time time with Ben so um, Ben probably got Ben would have got less of me um, just because I was trying to spend some time with the, the other boys as, as well so yeah. It makes it really tricky it's not like you can split yourself in too many places. So it's making the best of the time that you had together. So when you were in with him, were you able to have lots of skin on skin and things like that? Yeah, I had him out like the next day and then 
in with my carriers and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually Not- being in the being in second time NICU mum um, definitely felt a bit more comfortable in terms of advocating and um, encouraging some of some of that stuff. So. Yeah. Beautiful. That would have felt like I'm sure you, you know, you, you don't want to find yourself in that position again, but at least like you say, you would have had some learnings from that first round to be able to take forward with you this time. So once you did get home, how did you handle sleep with the two of them? Because you said that Jack was in the sidecar bed at the time. What did you do with the newborn as well? <laughs> it was in the bassinet on the other side. <laughs> so, yeah, it just got our bed just got wider. Um, so, yeah, so Ben was in a bassinet. And so um, initially I was getting up and f- I'd go down to the lounge and watch some quality TV um, and and feed him and then go back and um, resettle him. Um, and that worked quite well to begin with. Um, and then he got to the point where he just wasn't resettling. And um, I think you start having having all the um, memories of the stress of not being able to get your little E to sleep. Um, so it was about that stage where we <laughs> where I switched into um, having him in bed with us instead. So and, yeah. and did that help? Was he a bit more settled once he was in bed with you? Yeah, and I think even for my mindset over the fact that I was starting to dread nights again and dread the fact that I'd have to try and resettle him and he wouldn't be able to settle him and then I'd be tired and I wouldn't be able to settle him and he'd wake up or you'd just put him down and then he'd wake up. And um, so, yeah, for me it was just like, right, well, if he's in with, in with us, then we all get more sleep. So and, and you could stop that spiral, especially when you've got to get up the next day and also deal with a toddler. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's it's a different ball game, isn't it, having the toddler with the second baby? Definitely. And I think that's the thing, you're like, um, that whole you've still got to get to kindy drop-offs at some point um, and, like, get back and pick them up and things as well. So your day goes, like, is really, really short as as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a blessing in some ways that you get some brief windows where it's just baby and you, but it's also complicated trying to manage all of the logistics of getting kids ready, getting them in the car or, or whatever transport you're using. Oh, and I couldn't, couldn't how long it takes to get two littlies out of the car, out of the house. Um, oh. My husband's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's like... <laughs> my my husband used to say that and be like, guaranteed someone's going to poo as we're about to exit yeah. the door. <laughs> guaranteed like there's like it's just like you can't like it and just if you ever think you are all organized I remember one trip I was taking my all three of mine out for the first time on my own and like I'd got everybody out the door all was going really well I was just we were going to the library because I had a story time session at library and we just got there and I'm thinking, yes, you finally did it. You're finally at the point where this is going to be okay for getting everyone going. Picked up the baby covered in poo <laughs> up the entire car seat. And so we clipped her back in and drove back home again, didn't we? Because that was not oh, a wipe job. Like that no. was a full-blown in the bath, yeah. car seat in the washing machine. Like it was bad, but it was just that, yeah, when you do actually manage to do it, oh, superhero power, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you were getting it. So he was in bed with you at night time. You went to that fairly quickly out of the newborn stage. 
Did that be continue to be your nighttime strategy with Ben or has he been um, in and out as well? No, well, we were, I was really, well, I was like, right, got it sorted this time. I'll, like, sidecar the cot and, like, I'll go to sleep and then roll off and, and he can sleep in, in there. But, um, yeah, he's got other ideas about that. So he'll, like, come and find me. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, we, yeah, that's still, we still have the, that's still the current plan. Um, but, um yeah. Well, he's 15 months, so they're still so very, very needy in the night. I, I found that 12 to at least 18 months, if not, I think there's something around 20, 21 months as well for my children. I don't know about yours. But, yeah, that that second year, it's easier just to roll with them, I've found. Like it just, it's an intense time during the day. So night times I used to just feed and get on with it. Like as long as I could yeah. sleep, I was happy. Yeah. Very good. And so during the day, just really, oh, looking at the time, holy dooly, we smashed that half hour. But quickly tell me, during the day, how are you handling sleep with Ben and a toddler? What were you doing? <sighs> Baby wearing, um, again, amazing. Um, Jack doesn't, doesn't have a sleep anymore because <laughs> he decided he doesn't want one. Um, so probably too much TV um, if we go to have a nap. Um, sometimes Jack had gone watch some, some TV. Um, he got... My husband pulled out fairly early on that if he came into the room when we were sleeping, he had to have a sleep. <laughs> so um, that worked quite well. Um, but, yeah, definitely if um, I was doing kindy drop-offs or anything or pickups, um, Ben would just go in the carrier and he'd have a sleep on sleep on me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's quite the tool. And also I will say that TV featured in my house too with that. So we always, we always had a rest time at lunchtime. And I had friends who'd set up quiet activities and stuff, but my toddler's did not do quiet activities on their own. They just didn't. And so watching a show was what they would do. And so we took that option so that I knew that I could get some time where I'd at least be able to rest either with the baby or have my feet up um, and and everybody had some peace in our house for at least half an hour every day. So I don't, if anyone listening along, never feel bad about working out what actually gives you a break in the day and taking it. That's something that I think everyone who's survived more than one kid has needed on many occasions. Um, so yeah, keep that keep that as an option for you. Now because of the time, we're going to have to finish up. But I'm I'm wondering, do you have a tip you'd love to share with our listeners that you wish you'd known when you were back in the thick of it all with that? first baby oh, um I think probably it's just actually comes down to that whole actually just trusting trusting yourself um that finding what works for you and what works for your for your little league but like we're saying they're so different um so we've tried to be like Jack led and Ben led and and gone with with what works works with them in terms of meeting their needs so yeah I think it's it's got to be the sagest advice out there because no other advice is ever really going to work for every single family because there's no cookie cutter baby. So being able to tune into that, into yourself and into your kids, it's always going to be your best bet. So thank you for sharing that, Donna, and I'm sure plenty of people listening needed to hear that today. So thank you again for coming on the show with us today. I'll be dropping some information into notes about safe baby wearing practices as well, the tips um, information. If you haven't already invested in a good carrier or wrap, 
and you've got a little snuggle bunny on your hand, uh, hands, then I can highly recommend baby wearing as a tool um, like Donna has found. I also found it completely vital. And if you're expecting a second or third or however many babies, a great time now to also pick it up. And there's usually baby wearing meats and sling meats in many local areas, though COVID has really made that. Yeah, we're trying to, I'm volunteering for the one down in Dunedin here um, and quite a few places are switched to either outside or um, online um, baby wearing mates. Um, I kind of went down the baby wearing rabbit hole and may have ended up training as a baby wearing consultant as well. So you yeah. go. I love that because it is, it's a tool and it's a skill, but like once you've figured out what carrier works for you and what baby's comfy in, it can be an absolute game changer. Although I will say that's something that people don't necessarily realise. They'll think that baby doesn't like baby wearing, mm -hmm. but it could actually be that they were uncomfortable in the type of carrier that you had. So that's why baby wearing libraries and meets are great because they have like a range of different carriers and you can try them out and see um, how to get you and baby comfy as well. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Donna. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. If you see Donna in the group, make sure that you are very friendly and say thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, because we love our volunteers so very, very much. Thanks so much, Donna. Cool. Thank you very much for having me, Carly. And thank you for all the amazing work you guys do um, as well. Thanks. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. The information we discussed was just that, information only. It is not specific advice. If you take any action following something you've heard from our show today, it is important to make sure you get professional advice about your unique situation before you proceed, whether that advice be legal, financial, accounting, medical, or any other advice. Please reach out to me if you do have any questions or if there's a topic you'd really like us to be covering. And if you know somebody who'd really benefit from listening to our podcast, please be sure to pass our name along. Also check out our free peer support group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project and our wonderful website, www.littlesparklers.org. If you'd like even more from the show, you can join us as a patron on Patreon and you can find a link for that in our show notes. If listening is not really your jam, we also make sure we put full episode transcripts on our Little Sparklers website for you to also enjoy and fully captioned YouTube videos as well on our Little Sparklers channel. So thanks again for listening today. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.